um, but being able to like weave a very like un uh, atypical uh, narrative leading to this building, kind of framing the Chicago Tribune Tower as the uh, the keystone accomplishment of the great skyscraper race. Fuck you, New York. Uh, no, 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 no. New York has beautiful architecture. The I don't want to offend anybody in this y'all sleeping category, but also New York can go fuck itself. Second city, my ass. Um, <laughs> if your pizza's so good, why do you only get it in New York? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Taking some of the heat off of you. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello, everybody, um, and welcome to a very special New Year's bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, in persona, and I'm joined by Red. Uh, I attempted to copycat the Starbucks Cold Buster medicine ball thing, and I have not succeeded, but it's pretty good tea regardless. Tragic and indigo. I thought I usually did the intro for these episodes, but I think it's very funny that you've decided to go ahead and do it anyway. It's, <laughs> well, it's been once a, year. a while. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. We can't commit to specific bits if we don't remember what they are. That's uh, the only if, kind of bit we've ever committed to. <laughs> if you'd like to intro the pot in a more New yeah. Year'sy way, feel free. I hope you've all had a wonderful 2023 because we're continuing our annual tradition of the New Year's bonus episode of the uh, OzPod. Say it with me, kids. It's OzPod, one word, like making it catch on. Uh, we're going to kind of we're going to recap some of uh, a few different categories of videos for you. Talk about some of the stuff we've been up to in the last year, and then we'll move on to our traditional Q and A section. Oh man, that was hard to say for some reason. <laughs> Good, good read, good read. Can we get one more? Uh, Q&A section of the podcast. Uh, okay, a but couple to... more exertions. You're, you're falling off yeah, a small yeah, yeah. ledge. Yeah, all right. We're escalating intensity. Uh... <laughs> Perfect, that was real good. Thank you, thank you. Um, ah, but we'll, we'll, we'll jump in so that we don't spend too much time at the top of the podcast talking about things that aren't the podcast and uh, jump into our first category here for the New Year's bonus 2023. This is going to be the most viewed videos of the year for Red and Blue. So if I could get my silent drum roll that will be edited out in post, please. Da, 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 da. Out in post? What? what? Because no. I edit in a different drum roll for the video. Oh. <laughs> tragic it's truly all this work we do with for what appreciation the most viewed videos of the year for red it was miscellaneous myths artemis and apollo and for blue the complete history of rome summarized Woo! which was impressive because that one came out like nearly last minute <laughs> Yeah, so the the way that this this category evolved over the course of us talking about what videos we're going to put in the category over the like the last 2 weeks was at the beginning of December I was like, "Oh man, this uh this Rome video is doing really well." I mean, it's not going to be the, the most viewed video of the year. That's still the Spider-Man detailed diatribe, but like, man, like we waited until January, you know, maybe and then last week on Monday, I was like, oh, <laughs> if I was still joking, I'd say that this might be the most viewed video of the year. And then by Wednesday, I was like, hey, Red, by Friday, this is going to be the most viewed video of the year. <laughs> it's just kept going. Yeah. It's just kept going. <laughs> yeah, normally there's a bit of a logarithmic drop off. This one just <laughs> escape just velocity. On the curve. So it's yeah. uh, I joke that it's like the uh, the Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck uh, thing where the audience is like, oh, my gosh. woo!" And Bugs is like, Daffy, it's amazing. They love it. They want more. And Daffy, who like blew himself up in the trick, is like. Amazing, but I can only do it once, so I'm, I'm glad it turned out well on, on this one. It was, uh, 
the culmination of, of, of years of, of work, we'll talk about the uh, another video later that's kind of in like a similar camp to this one, but mm. um, it was insane to, to put this together and not only like think, okay, like this will kind of start like low in the beginning and it'll grow over time, but to have popped off so much in so short a span, for lack of a better way to describe it, that doesn't happen to my videos <laughs> no. and it was cool that it did for this one so i felt yeah. really uh really jazzed about that not that it's like ah blue doesn't get enough views no i i, I don't care but it's no, like good. the the history has always been a little bit more more niche um just by the nature of the the, the kind of of investment you have to do to get people to uh to, to be interested in it um and I've been like, yeah, yeah, I got my, my comfortable, like, this is how many views. Like, there's never a competition over here at OSP. No. But seeing the numbers be this high is like, oh, people really like these. Yeah. Oh, okay, no, it was, it nice. was great. You did a full-on feature-length documentary about the entire history of the Roman Empire. And you were like, you know, if anybody watches it, that's fine. But this was really for me. And then it's like, oh, no, people actually love this. Cool. That's <laughs> this great. This is actually for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and on my end, the, uh, the Artemis and Apollo one was interesting because it had sort of been haunting me for a, a while because I'd started the research process on it like a couple of years back because, you know, they're like the two big names in the Olympian pantheon. Like you, you probably like if you don't know that much about Greek mythology, you probably know like Zeus is the main guy and you might have like heard something, you know, turn Hades into Satan and been like, I know that guy. He's bad. Um but, like, the upper echelon of, like, how well-known the Olympians are, Artemis and Apollo, the twins that are yeah. so different, yet so similar. And I was like, this is, this is weird. Hold on. And the, the research <laughs> process quickly turned into a rabbit hole, which is my favorite kind of research process. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the degree to which I was like, I'm not finding the answers that should be easy to find if these guys followed a similar path to other, like, major deities in, in the Greek pantheon that or came from somewhere else. Or even to each other. <laughs> or even to each other. It's like, yeah, Artemis and Apollo and the Mycenaean records are worshipped in completely different places. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Or like, okay, Artemis has this whole thing going on and Apollo has this whole thing going on. But it kind of looks like it was a case of like convergent evolution. They became more closely bundled together and began to cover more things that put them in concert with each other. And once you get yeah. to the point where it's like Artemis is the moon and Apollo is the sun, it's like, okay, these guys are inseparable. They're, they're too thematically consistent. But there's a long way to go from there to get from, like, this guy is, like, a god of prophecy and seeing the future and maybe music. Like, maybe he also covers divine inspiration. And this lady, she's a terrifying woodland beast, basically. Yeah. And it's like, and they're twins! <laughs> but honestly, that's one of my favorite tropes, and I think that's probably why this became so popular. Because, like, the whole, like, no way, bro, that's your sister? Like, that's one of the funniest <laughs> things that can yeah. ever happen. And, like, they both have that exact scenario. Um... You know, Artemis butching it up in the woods with all of her uh, all of her lady friends, and it's like, that's your brother, and she's like, I know. <laughs> Just <laughs> anyway, so I can see why it got so popular. But um, yeah. I had a good time with it. Uh, it. It was one of the deep dives where I was like, okay, I think I haven't fucked anything up too severely. Hopefully, people like this one. People were like, yeah, I. I always get really like in the weeds of like, man, I have to make sure that like I I debunk all the major like. Uh, misunderstandings about these guys, and I've gotten better about not doing that, um, in large part because as we've gotten deeper into researching this space, I know less about what the average person knows about these guys. Because, like, the most I got was people in the comments being like, I was under the impression that Artemis and Apollo didn't get along with each other. And I was like, why? And then I was like, oh, Percy Jackson, 
That's the only reason why. <laughs> um, but even then, it's like, oh, they're so different, you know, a bit of an odd, like, oh, she's she's all serious and he's kind of a goober. Uh, but you read any Greek mythology and it's like, these two mostly just hang out with each other or just don't bother each other. Like, they're yeah. they're bros. They like each other. It's Siblings do be like that sometimes. <laughs> um, so I, I wouldn't have even known what to debunk if I'd been trying to do that. So I'm glad yeah. I didn't. And I'm glad people liked it. Yeah. I, I really liked the way that the Artemis and Apollo video turned out. And uh, obviously the, the views back it up. Everyone was so interested to learn about them. Uh, tracing the evolution over all the different generations of like, okay, this is like you know, Mykonean version of them as we see in the Iliad. Uh, here's what it might have been like before and where we even got to from there and then going down to like mm -hmm. classical Greece. And it's like, once we kind of have the version that we understand, Rome's already here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that was so interesting. And I... just like, was born two minutes later to write this down. Well, it's really weird running into like the, the early Roman stuff in like the 500s, yeah. like almost the earliest stuff that they had. They yeah, I already... wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like the fact that they'd already absorbed Apollo at that point was interesting. Like I, I had no idea that yeah. that was what was happening like before they started really hellenizing themselves they were like this guy's great let's just slap him into central italy there are tons of really old like temples to apollo in his medicine capacity from like the 400s ish yeah. it's like there was a plague we got over it let's build a temple to apollo to say thanks and please don't smite us again <laughs> and like these are gods that were so intrinsically linked into, or at least Apollo was, into how the civilization, like, functioned day to day that you get a lot of this information where otherwise it's kind of this, like, distant, you know, folktale there in these myths. But with Apollo, it's like, they built a building because there was a plague in, like, 432 and they were like, please don't do that again. And he was like, cool. Just, I don't know. I, I thought it was really fun. Very, like, distant. And this one wasn't. Yeah, it's, uh... It's always cool to see like what resonates the most with people over the course of the year, and and these ones. We're gonna talk a lot about like other videos that we liked mm -hmm. a lot this year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, the worst five of the year. Uh, you know, <laughs> Top you and bottom five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we have three. We'll shock you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of videos that we liked, we we got to move on to our next category here. Your favorite of your own videos. So red's favorite red video and blue's favorite blue video. Uh, so if I could again get my fake drum roll, please. Red's favorite video was Legend Summarize, The Nine Realms, and Blue's was One Last Scene, Drake's Final Treasure. <laughs> Red, let's, uh, let's talk about the myths. Let's start with you on this one. Yeah. The Nine Realms won uh, another rabbit hole. Uh, I always have fun with them. I complain so about good. how long they are. They're so They're good. So, <laughs> I do them because I enjoy them. The research process becoming more complicated than I expected is my favorite treat. Um, and with the Nine Realms, it was one of those ones where I, I said in the video, I legitimately set out being like, I can finally do just like a normal, normal like numbered list. It'll be great. I can just go through them and be like, this is everything we know about Svartalfheim. And then first things first, it doesn't exist. And then suddenly my whole plan went off the rails. Um, but it was also fun because at the time I was working on it, I was doing a certain amount of traveling um, and I didn't have my full like frame set up. So I was like, you know, I could probably do something really efficient here and just do big, complicated illustrations of each realm, like posters. Because mm. I think at the time for, for Rolling with Difficulty, I'd been doing the Planescape yeah. posters and I was like, these are great. I feel like I can apply this concept to something <laughs> a little bit more central to what I do like by myself. Uh, and it you was were working really on fun. those Planescape posters when we were in Iceland. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like two months later, I was working on these, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I had a really good time just sitting down and doing like a large, complicated illustration. Normally, that's not really how my brain works. But in this specific case, I was like getting in and doing the details and yeah. knowing this will look good when I zoom. This is fun. And I like this a lot. 
Uh, and also just being able to be like, here's everything we know about this realm. It's two lines of poetry. You're welcome. <laughs> um, also, yeah. this is the one where I started getting like really serious about citing. Like, this is the specific translation I'm using. This is the specific edition. Uh, because with Norse mythology, especially, I've made that mistake before. Greek mythology, there's kind of like a there's a surplus of cool translations that you can use, and and most of them, some of them are like more poetic than others. Some of them take weird liberties. But after a certain point they're kind of all communicating the same information. Um, Norse mythology, categorically so <laughs> untrue. You really got to be careful. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of fun, just going in and being like, this is specifically from this edition of the Prose Edda, and this is specifically from this bit of that one, and this is all the information we have, I promise. Um, yeah, all yeah. things considered, considering it was a Norse mythology video, and I could have gotten um actually much harder in the comments, I think that one went about as well as it possibly could have. I did enjoy the ones where you were getting into the, the dicier realms on the list of like, if you... Don't think Svartalfheim counts, then you gotta get Asgard out of there too, <laughs> motherfucker. Well, like, which, whichever pair is, uh, it was. Alfheim was, and Svartalfheim right. categorically cannot exist. Because, uh, like, Alfheim, that one's at least name-dropped, but it's name-dropped in the same breath as, like, uh, the part of Asgard that Thor lives in. You're yeah. like, great, okay, cool, 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 cool. So it's in, it's like a, it's a little cul-de-sac, it's a suburb of Asgard. That's yeah. not, mm. And then once you start looking for, like, are the dark elves even a thing? It's like, well, yes, but actually, no. They might be dwarves, and also they might not be real. Because, you know, this is <clears throat> a story original where he was, like, in the same breath being like, and lo, the eyes are... They, they reside in, uh, in, in dork-ass loser heaven, and above them, two heavens even cooler that they cannot go into that are only inhabited by light elves. It's like, yeah... Source plea, <laughs> little <laughs> citation needed pops up. It was revealed um, to him in a dream. Red, you have to have some respect. Probably, yeah. God. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I had a good time with that. Uh, you're pulling out a late contender for this one. Your a last video of the year. Contender, yeah. yeah. I I was really pleased with with a lot of the videos that I, I made this year. Um, Rome was the you know far and away the the most uh, popular with with the audiences. And I'm I'm very glad for that. It represents the the biggest like singular accomplishment. Of, of cumulative work that I've done over years and years, but I think, like singularly on the channel this year, was the best videos that I've that I've ever made. Just as a slate, like I've obviously had really good ones from the past as well, but this year, like front to back, I I don't think I had one that I would call a stinker. Um, I mean, some are still better than others, but I was so pleased with everything that I made this year. So it was very hard to pick. But I just had a soft spot for this Uncharted one because as I was putting together the presentation, I felt myself loving this game even more than I did at the start of it when I knew, like, this is the best ending in a video game and my favorite love story... Or sorry, the best love story in video games and my one of my favorite endings in a video game. I'll be categorical about one, but I'll leave some ambiguity for the other. <laughs> um, but even as I was getting into it, like after starting from that premise, going through and playing uh, playing through Uncharted Four, watching back through a bunch of Uncharted One, Two, and Three, um, I was like, oh no, th this is th th these games are, are masterpieces. I love this so much, and and learned more about it more so than I usually find in the course of, of prepping a, a detailed diatribe and investigating stuff. Uh, it was so fun to put that together and to, to feel myself getting more deeply enamored with this game that, I, that I've already loved so much and being able to communicate that. Uh, I was really happy with how uh, much I was able to convey the fact that I was able to have so much clip coverage because usually when we're dealing with movies and TV, the <laughs> clips are really aggressively claimed, but with video games, there's kind of a, like, a general, like, 
It's your yeah, gameplay. This you happens want. to be a cutscene, but it's your gameplay. It's fundamentally transformative. I will tell if you so, don't tell. <laughs> um, the Sony is is categorically very nice about that, just as a rule, and I'm I'm, I'm thankful for them for that. But being able to be able to use so many clips was. Uh, was was great and just talking about those games uh was, was super fun of course doing it with the nando collaborations always uh, a real uh treat in this case one last scene um mm -hmm. we've done one marvelous scene or no actually we did one excellent scene uh one villainous scene which was the castlevania um yeah. the musical scene which was your um kung fu panda <laughs> kung 2, fu panda thing uh, yeah. from last year that was a good one um and now this one with uh with uncharted uh, my my Doctor Strange one from last year is a kind of like soft late entry into one marvelous scene. That's the one that I would have done, but we didn't have the yeah. detailed diatribe show yet. So mm. all of the detailed diatribes that we had this year, I, I really really liked a lot. Again, it's my favorite single year slate of detailed diatribes that we've done, and it was very hard choosing between them. Um, the Spider Man one was the most viewed detailed diatribe uh, that I had this year. Um, second most viewed video uh, after um, Rome for me. But mm -hmm. it was, uh, and it's near and dear to your really heart because it's Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Two games uh, for two detailed diatribes where I, I show my whole ass. And then the fact that the Spider-Man 2 game was really good. Mm. Um, I, I, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you want because we've, we've been on the front lines of past quality is no guarantee of future quality. So yeah. it's always nice when a sequel is actually good. Sometimes it's nice to be, uh, to be uh, proven wrong in the best way possible. Mm. <laughs> It's nice to have a win. And uh, speaking of spreading things that are nice around, let's move on to your favorite of the others videos. So Red's favorite blue video and Blue's favorite red video. And if I could once again ask for that drum roll. Da -da 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 -da. Do 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 Come on, man. <laughs> Red's favorite blue video was... Uh, Wait, nope. Blue's favorite red video was Legend Summarize. Nope, I'm reading the wrong category. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Take two. Ro roll it back. Take two. <laughs> Effort noise. You're falling off a ledge. <laughs> uh, red's favorite video... <laughs> God damn it. Come on, man. Come on. Hold it together. We're professionals. Red's favorite of Blue's videos was Detailed Diatribe, Breaking Fate in God of War Ragnarok, and Blue's favorite red video was Trope Talk, Personifying Death. Yay. Yeah. The full gamut of severity on that one. Yeah, um, yeah I think that the uh, the God of War detailed diatribe, I have a, a soft spot for it because you jump scared me with the surprise uh, thesis of it. Because I had yeah. no idea that was what you were going for. Yeah. And it was like, BT Dubs, fate is generational trauma. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm reframing it, my thoughts as we speak. <laughs> it reorients the entire course of the game when you, when you watch it through that lens. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, yeah, it really makes a lot of sense. So yeah. I had a really good time uh, just kind of being in the backseat, you know, the audience surrogate for that one, which is, that's half the fun of the detailed diatribe format. I think that one of us kind of gets to put our feet up and just be like, wow, that's so interesting. Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> like, and <laughs> it, it makes it work. Or what? Yeah. yeah. I'm um, here to ask follow-up questions, drink tea, and not contribute very much, which is always <laughs> pleasant. Um, no, hardly. I think, the, uh, I think the reason the detailed diatribes work so well uh, in previous years, and then especially the ones that we put out this year, because again, the ones we had this year were all so good, every single last one of them, <laughs> um, was the the benefit of being able to have both of us in the video. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when we started doing this, we were college students who couldn't really collaborate at a distance, so we yeah. had our own production pipelines. Red makes her myths, I make my history, we check over each other's scripts, but anything more complicated than that, like both doing voiceover work in a video, or like, you know, taking a topic from two angles and doing like a one-two punch was functionally impossible to put together. So when we finally figured out this idea for a show of like, it's both of us, 
together talking about stuff mm -hmm. in a way that that feels organic but also structured and not just like we're sitting in a room talking about nothing for a while that's what the after after show show is for yeah that's what's yes, fun it's about that. <laughs> um is it's just random whatever's happening is happening um but having the the balance of, of free form and structure and then both of us being together is what i think makes them so i don't want to say like electric uh but so fun uh and and so enjoyable to make and to watch back uh and and god of war was the first of, of many really good ones this year and of course, mm -hmm. the, the the plot twist for the the generational trauma was was really fun. Again, it's like I I'm putting it together in the slides, and I'm like, oh, I got it. <laughs> yeah, no, it but. was definitely like a little electric moment of revelation on that one, which was a lot of fun, and yeah. and it really ties the game together, I think, because without that sort of metaphorical or allegorical flame uh, framing, you sort of you play the game and you're like. Why does everyone? Why is everyone so hung up on this fate thing? Like I, the audience, I know theoretically, oh, Ragnarok should happen and most of these guys should die. But like, why? Why are the characters kicking up such a big fuss over it? And then it's like, yeah. oh, it's because every time they say it's fate, what they're saying is, Dad, please stop drinking. So I get it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm up to speed. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, on the other side of, of videos, I really loved the uh, personifying death trope talk, and I wanted to give some love to um, one of the, the non-myth videos that you mm -hmm. did on the channel. I know you were thinking, like, oh, you know, my favorite trope talks this year, the Those Dang Phones was really good. I also yeah. like personifying death, and I was like, no, nah, it's got to be personifying death for me. <laughs> Just seeing yeah. the emotional response that everybody had for that one was was so deeply impactful to see and I don't want to I don't want to talk over you on this one cuz it's your video but I no, I but really liked favorite, this one so. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I I'm glad. It was uh it was a bit of a delicate process to figure out how to frame it. And we talked about this in the podcast directly after it cuz um when I started writing up the script on this one, I was like I got to be careful because this is a sore spot for absolutely everybody. Like this is guaranteed to be something that has unpleasant implications or memories or whatever associated and like there are many ways I could frame this, but if I get too self-indulgent and don't think about how it's going to impact the audience, I could potentially do some damage. So I was trying, yeah. you know, very carefully to sort of like make sure that I stayed within the boundaries of fiction, which is a big help right from the jump. It's like this is a fictional ramification of death. This is a, this is a personification of him in, in this movie. Yeah. And now let's talk about how the message of that movie turns into something about running from death, perhaps not good so much, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I was really glad that I could use uh, an example like Puss in Boots The Last Wish as a repeated, you know, staple of the video because it's such a it's a very beautiful movie, but it is very much like this is for kids. Like this is it's, it's also for like me, <laughs> but it's it's a movie about an anthropomorphic cat going on a fun adventure. But it's also about death. And I was just like, great, yeah. this is perfect, because now this means I'm not just doing like. Twilight Zone episodes and Discworld. Uh, this 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 is a reference that makes it clear that like no, I'm drawing from multiple sources, and this one yeah. is really solid for this. Um, also, one of the more fun versions of death, I think, because a lot of the time he kind of gets yeah. a little bit like like uh, Discworld death. He's a very interesting character, um, but he's definitely more like moody. He's sometimes funny, but he's not so much fun. Uh, whereas no. you know, <laughs> the, the Lobo from Poison Boots: The Last Wish is just having a great goddamn time, and that's what makes him fun to watch. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I hope he has a cool fight, and then uh, they they walk away with mutual respect. That's all I need out of this guy. Um, <laughs> 
I need yeah. to watch it. I also it. got to use the, uh, Young Hot Robert Redford uh, Twilight Zone episode, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So that was neat. Yeah, I got yeah, jump I scared it. by Young Hot Robert Redford in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I like about the Twilight Zone. I'd say about a fifth of all the episodes, the twist is like, and that guy was death the whole time. Um, but they're all like very different versions, which I think is cool. You know, you got like the Hitchhiker, which is probably the other iconic Twilight Zone death episode, where it's just like this... This shabby little gray man uh, seems to be stalking this woman on a cross-country road trip, and it's just like, he's just there. Just, you know, like, hey, you going my way? And it's like, I don't, I don't know, am I? Probably, eventually. <laughs> um, and then you get young hot Robert Redford being like, uh, you know, come on, let me take me by the arm and, and walk you out like the classy dame yar. And it's like, oh, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> sign me up. Well, let's sign ourselves up to talk about some challenges that we've had this year. Uh, gone right into our next category of the most challenging videos you guys uh, made this year. So again, drum rolls uh, all around. My other hand is holding tea. I can't use both of them. Excellent. Well, uh, Red's most challenging video was Legend Summarized. The Epic of Gilgamesh and Blues was History Resummarized. The Byzantine Empire. Well, I'll start with Gilgamesh. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. It was, I had a really good time. It was, again, similar to the Nine Realms, like, oh, I can, like, get in some of these illustrations, like, while I'm in transit, uh, and I had the uh, excuse that the Atrahasis section was, like, a kind of a storybook retelling, so drawing it in a different style yeah. made sense, which was and really great. it was gorgeous, great. too. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks. I had so much yeah. fun with it. Uh, I always like getting to reuse older designs I had for gods, uh, so I got mm -hmm. to go back to, like, the Underworld Myths video and be like, how did I design <laughs> a, uh, oh, yeah, fish head. Sure, I'll do that. Just I made do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't remember why. I think I probably saw, like, I'm sure I saw something that made me think, like, this makes sense and is a good idea. But maybe I just saw the hat shape and was like, I can make this work with fish. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah. it, it was interesting. It definitely, um, in terms of the research process, it was probably a little bit less complicated because it was basically just like, what's a really good translation of Gilgamesh? Let's use that. Let's read through it. Drop in my notes. Uh, I could even be like, this chapter isn't complete. So who knows what happened in it? Um but it was kind of just the heftiness of like the length of it and how many frames there were and how complicated some of the visuals got where I was like, this is a little, yeah. this is a little bit much. This is taking me a little bit of a long time. Um, but honestly, the Epic of Gilgamesh is such a good story. And I really yeah, liked that really sort of the thread I, I hit on while I was working on it of like, oh, this story is about immortality. But the reason we keep talking about it is because it is really about immortality. Yeah. And, and the meta-narrative around it supports that. And I thought that was really fun. Um, That's what I, I loved so much. Even if this video was just the introduction before you start telling the story, like that mm -hmm. first like you know page or so, like two, three minutes, that alone was so good <laughs> Thanks. that it, it made the whole video afterwards just like a bonus that that was already so compelling and sets up the rest of the thread for for what makes the story so interesting so mm -hmm. well. It, mwah, great. That's probably, yeah. In the long term, I actually think that video might be one of the ones I'm proudest of overall. I, I think it'll probably age pretty gracefully uh, and I hope people are still enjoying it in years to come um, because I had a good time with it and uh, Tapping into that sort of chain of storytelling was, uh, a, despite being a goofy, haha internet person, I, I did have kind of this like little like feeling of, oh, something's going on here. You know, it, it's a new incarnation of a very, very old story that only survives now because it keeps getting retold by people like me. Um, so that was cool. And I had a good time with it. Yeah. What was mine again? Byzantines. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
I was I was just thinking wistfully about the epic of Gilgamesh. I got completely carted <laughs> off to Mesopotamia. Oh, Peter we've Pringle's all been there. music playing in the background. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's I, thinking about for, other women. From... Ziggurat picture. Um, <laughs> 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 you were just thinking uh, again. Maybe... He thinks about the epic of Gilgamesh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How many times does he think Boys about Gilgamesh? Thank you. Epic it's fucking disgusting. Full <laughs> translation. Smooching all your row. Twenty tablets. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I almost uh, put in for this one being the uh, the kind of combo of the great ziggurat of Ur and the fall of Babylon because like telling that story was really cool and it was kind of like a like a soft resummarized of my initial Mesopotamia video from like four <laughs> years ago which was only fine um, but I felt really good about the ones I was able to do kind of as like a combo around um, the Gilgamesh video great ziggurat of Ur fall of Babylon I really liked that kind of summer of Gilgamesh that we had uh, Mesopotamia hot Gilgamesh uh, summer yeah um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, this was uh, the most challenging video that I have done probably ever in terms of just raw hour investment mm. um, was the Byzantines video because at the beginning um, I told myself, like, I'm going to put everything that I have into this video. <laughs> so yeah. I had been working on, um, like, various drafts of it. Uh, as early as last year, I had um, taken some of the videos and kind of slapped them together like, oh, I know I want to change this. I'll just do it now. Oh, I know I want to add this. I'll just do it now. So I already was like starting from a partial script when I started my, my kind of like two week allotment for the video. Um, but I was talking to some some great friends uh, and fellow uh, uh, Romabu brain rot uh, people in the discord um, who were able to point me towards like, you might want to talk about this. You might want to talk about this. Um, so I kind of told myself like I'm. I'm just going to include everything I think I can include without completely ruining the pacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, however much work that is, I don't care. So I ended up writing a, like a fourth regular video's worth of extra stuff spread across the, the part one, two, three um, for the script. And then, of course, I had to make all those images, all the maps, get all the visuals, get everything, and then edit them together for that 45-minute video. Just the the singular effort investment of that was so big. I was pulling like 10 or 11 hour days a lot in that yeah. stretch to get it done and I could because I was just so enthused about it I was mm-hmm. just like working through it and I was like dead tired afterwards but um it was the most laborious video to produce that I'd ever done mm-hmm. but just because I was so jazzed about it like I was able to work for such a long span of time without like normally I I take breaks I was like no 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 we're doing this we're in it yeah um, I think when yeah. when you were going through it I remember messaging something like it's weird seeing this from the outside because <laughs> 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 that's normally not at all your work ethic normally you are very mm-hmm. good about like I'm going to do it for these many hours in the day I'm going to note down my breaks and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to do something else and then I'm going to go to bed and I was like cool 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 it's 3 a.m because i had another idea so it's time for yeah. more ideas so it was very interesting seeing the the bug bite you on that one and yeah. the video that came out was really good so you really know yeah. yeah like science out of town this weekend i can work 10 <laughs> hours on saturday and well Sunday shit each. there goes my impulse control <laughs> yeah basically it's like oh this is what i used to be like got it um, <laughs> oh, the college but, days yeah no it was it was really rewarding to put that together is uh, i mean obviously that it, it went into the labor of the the big rome video mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And, and that in itself was also a lot of work but but differently so um this one was just like front to back constructing a truly massive video in mm-hmm. two weeks more or less from from scratch um, I, I had 
you know, a script, but I, I added a, a regular video length's worth of script. There was 10 minutes of brand new stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a lot, but it was really fun. So challenging, directly proportional to rewarding, as opposed to uh, sometimes where it's like, this is challenging <laughs> and it just feels like it kicked my ass. No, this is great. <laughs> I'm great, but yeah, yeah. yeah. This category has had a lot of fun entries in the past. It's nice to see it be videos that you guys are happy with at the end of the challenge in addition <laughs> yeah. to being yeah. a stressor in your life. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. when you're stressed, sometimes you should take a nap. And for this final category, Red and Blue have requested we talk about y'all sleeping, the stuff that you guys slept on <laughs> oh, this year. I forgot. I forgot where we were I, going with that. I came up with the idea for this category in like a flash of light, and I was like, Red! <laughs> <laughs> I've got it! Yes. Yeah. Videos that maybe we think should have gotten more attention, so if we could get a little attention to the final drum roll of the episode. Da -da 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 -da. This year, y'all slept on the detailed diatribe for Tears of the Kingdom's Lonely Sky and the History Summarized Tribune Tower videos. <laughs> I don't want to make this sound accusatory. It's like, you didn't watch <laughs> oh, the videos enough. Don't? No, 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 then no. Then you shouldn't no. have but... named the category y'all sleep. <laughs> no, but it's funny. It's it funny. It is very funny. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not fault y'alls for sleeping, but y'alls were... No, no, no. Um, what, what I wanted to do with this category was to take videos that we felt were like a little mismatched to, to how much we enjoyed making them, mm. to how big of a splash they made. And a lot of times it's like, oh, this video didn't do gangbusters numbers, but everyone who watched it liked it. And that's yeah. always very mm -hmm. rewarding. And that's pretty much always the case. If there's a video that doesn't do as well, everyone who watched it still liked it. And, and that, that, that keeps us satisfied. But for this one, it was like, what's a video that we feel like, like if you want to go back and check out one that you haven't seen, <laughs> where might we recommend you start? And that, that's with, uh, with, with these two. I like it. And the length disparity between them is great because my Lonely Sky thing is like two hours and the Tribune Tower is like, what, bite size? Like 10 It's, it's like minutes? eight, nine minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to burn a feature-length movie... The detailed diatribe is there waiting. But yeah. I think, like, the, the main thing about this category is, it's like, it's stuff that we were really enthused about and we had a really, like, good time uh, mm -hmm. uh, talking about. And then it just, like, eh, the curves up, up here and we're, like, eh. yeah, Because <laughs> that's what happened with mine. Uh, for the folks at home just uh, listening and not watching, you're just going to have to imagine that what I just said made perfect sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Tears of the Kingdom detailed diatribe was definitely one for me because I was like, I've, I've cracked it. This is so good. And, like... Um, I had a really good time, and I am glad, because everyone who watched it, who, who commented, was like, this is fun. Loved or like, oh, it's kind of nice yeah. to see you guys like this game, because a lot of people talking about this game are just complaining about this thing that you're talking yeah. about. Um, so that yeah. I, I didn't know about, but that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. But I was not really expecting it to be such a low performer, because it's like, this is like one of the games of the year, and like we've been streaming yeah. it a lot. I don't know. I, I, but again, like it, this is absolutely not at all like blaming anybody. The people who watched it no, seem to like it, but also it like happens. it's two hours. I'm not going to strap anybody down and be like, you have to watch this and tell me you think it's <laughs> yeah, good. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like, do your own thing. But uh, I, I had a good time. So when you were like the y'all sleeping category, I was like, probably this one because it, it, it was less viewed than I expected it to be. But people still seem to like it. So that's good. Um, yeah. and I realized, like, as funny as I think the y'all sleeping title is, I don't want this to be accusatory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes you, you make the joke and then you're like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences. Yeah. For uh, for this one, um, 
It's not that the Tribune Tower video did like especially poorly. It's it's had a lot of time because it's it was one of my first videos of the year. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's, it's it's had time to kind of like like come up to. It's it's still well under the curve, but uh, it's it's okay. But what I what I really liked about this one was, this was one of the first videos where I feel like I was able to just kind of talk about a thing and construct my own narrative mm -hmm. that's like divorced from what you would see in like you know a textbook or like a typical you know lesson plan of something. So it's like when I'm talking about Rome or the Byzantines, it's like we're going strictly chronological, we're telling the story in kind of one of the only orders you would tell it in. Mm. But for me, what I liked about this was kind of constructing like the idea of like, why do we build things that are beautiful? Um, what is so interesting about old architecture? Uh, what was the pursuit of greater um, like height in buildings like? How did that turn into the skyscraper race? And then, okay, leading all to the Tribune Tower in Chicago, the most beautiful, you know, modern office building in the world. And then why? And just weaving that. now. I think we looked into this. It's apartments now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when it was constructed, it was for the most beautiful mm -hmm. office building in the world. Um, but being able to, like, weave a very, like, un uh, atypical uh, narrative leading to this building, kind of framing the Chicago Tribune Tower as the uh, the keystone accomplishment of the great skyscraper race. Fuck you, New York. Uh, no, 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 no. New York has beautiful architecture. The I don't want to offend anybody in this y'all sleeping category, but also New York can go fuck itself. Second city, my ass. Um, <laughs> if your pizza's so good, why do you only get it in New York? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Taking some of the heat off of you. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but I, I liked what this video was able to do for me because it kind of unshackled me from, like, traditional narratives of, like, I have to kind of, like, tell this story in order. It's like, no, I can just talk about whatever the hell I want. If I want to talk <laughs> about this thing, I can just talk about that. And the Tribune Tower video was kind of breaking the seal of the first time that I really did that where it's not just the Tribune Tower, it's a lot of other stuff too. And weaving that together in a way that still worked was for me the moment where I'm like, oh, I can I can do more than just like point A, point B linear mm -hmm. narrative history. Um, and I, I, I think it turned out really well. So yeah. um, it's not that it got um, a uh, you know terrible viewership or anything, but it was um, it had a huge positive impact on my video making, but itself was not as like widely viewed as the impact it had later on. Mm. It's a real Eliel Sarin in second place design kind of video. Oh man. It's a joke for people who watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was really interesting. I mean, just the basic question of like, what was it like the first time people started engineering buildings that go up that much? It was like, yeah. oh yeah, cause you know, we, we live in- yeah. Wind. <laughs> well, gravity, wind, material sciences. I mean, like, we, we've lived in big cities most of our lives. So I think for us, it's like skyscrapers just happen. Most of the time, you know, you're not complaining about, you're not like thinking about why and how they're so tall. You're just like, oh, that one's ugly or like breaks up the skyline. But then it's like, hey, if you're only, like, if the tallest building you've ever seen is like a church spire, how do you build something a hundred feet, you know, Sorry, like 300 feet. I keep forgetting, like 300 yeah. stories, let's say. Even yeah. bigger. I don't think 300 stories can happen. No. You can clearly <laughs> tell that I am not the architecture or the history person on this. But like, when you want to build a tall building, how do you make a short building tall? How do you expand out that design language? And that was a question I did never occurred to me to ask because I don't tend to think about buildings all that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like both in terms of the, the change of perspective that making the video had for you and the change of perspective that asking the question of the video had on me, I think it was a yeah. very impactful little, little chestnut for what we did this yeah. year. 
Yeah. And I credit to, to the city of Philadelphia. Um, when I was was there for for <laughs> PAX, uh, I had the thought of like, why why do I like old buildings so much? It's a style agnostic question. It's not mm-hmm. like there's one school of design that I like more, but it's the and this relates to the the video. But the idea that like someone created something to be beautiful, and then an invisible string of many someones worked together over years and years, centuries even to preserve it because they thought it was worth something. You can Mm. build beautiful things now when they're still very beautiful, but the idea of something that is old and perseveres and is still beautiful is so much more impactful because of all the effort that went into not just making it, but keeping it. And that really hits for the the Tribune Tower for me whenever I see it. That's really beautiful. I like it a lot. Yeah. And also, uh, fuck New York. No, <laughs> oh, I think the I was gonna say this is a lovely sentiment to uh, end this portion of the podcast <laughs> on. But, um, I think it's best if we just jump into the Q and A and see if this energy continues. Yay! Cut to the Q and A. It's just red and indigo. I'm. I'm <laughs> We've killed him. Yeah. Twenty twenty three. A single New York uh, dollar that. slice in my chair. <laughs> He's been pizzafied. Oh no! <laughs> Pizza rack got him. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question is brought to you by one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like to be a supporter of the channel, a supporter of the podcast, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first in a future episode. This question comes from What is a Fish? To all, if you had to relive a single day in your life in a Groundhog's Day style time loop, what day would you choose and what shenanigans would you get up to? And what would finally break you from the loop? So you have to choose one day of your life to Groundhog's Day. Uh, See what happens Mm. in it. What are you getting up to? These Mm. are the questions you ask that we ask This is a complicated one because I think fundamentally... The concept of a time loop is so overwhelmingly horrifying to me um, that I I think, but also like storytelling wise, you don't, you don't get a good story out of doing something that the main character wants to have happen. Like (laughs) if we pick like a relatively inoffensive or chill day, like any of my work days or something like that, admittedly that becomes a Sisyphusian nightmare very quickly. It's like, oh cool, I can never get absolutely anything done because anything I do gets undone at the end of the day. Um, But like just a chill, like indoor day. I probably wouldn't even notice it was a time loop for a while, you know? (laughs) But who wants to watch that fucking movie? (laughs) Um, Whereas meanwhile, like, you pick a day where, like, anything momentous happens. Like, oh, it's graduation day. Or, like, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's this day that we had this cool party. Or, like, a day that I got to, like, hang out with people I liked. I think that anything becomes a prison if you can't leave. So, you know, yeah. that that's like setting your favorite song as your ringtone. Like, you're going to start hating it. Or, like, your alarm song, obviously. Uh, yeah. Like, there's no good answer. Because if it's a good day, no, it's not. And if it's a bad day, oh, cool, actual hell. Uh, so I choose not to participate. I'm not going to pick a day. It's going to be one of the days where I was inside watching TV. I can do that forever and probably not even notice that it was a Groundhog Day loop until I was like, have I not aged in a while? Yeah. It's like, hmm. I feel like the sentimental I... answer is to pick a day that, like, meant something to you. Like, I'm like, oh, like, like an early date with my boyfriend or, like, a really sweet childhood memory or something. Like, that's a day that'd be fun to repeat a, for to a point. A couple eventually... times, yeah. <laughs> it's still, but, like, to, to capture that, like, feeling of, like, oh, this was important to me and maybe I want to relive this. But I do think, like, the funniest option is a day where just, like, everything that went wrong went wrong and you have to progressively get better at fixing it before mm-hmm. you can break out of the loop, you know? like yeah. I like it, like a roguelike strategy. Yeah. Like, you just like have I, to, yeah. 
as an ex-theater kid, I did high school stage crew, and we had one show where, like, everything that went wrong could have gone wrong. And I think that there is humor in having to do that show over and over again. Like, okay, this time I've reinforced the doors so they're not going to fall off the set when that one actor walks through it. And I've added a heavier, bigger lid onto the container of dry ice so it doesn't go flying across the stage when one guy bursts through the door. And, like... I know the one guy's going to call out sick, so we've brought in a replacement. And just, like, having to fix the things. But then, of course, things will continue to go wrong. And so you end up in this perpetual Sisyphusian loop problems. of yeah. Yeah, new This is your edge of tomorrow. Theater. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's a good exactly. movie. It's, it's a really the theater movie. kid's edge of tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, in rejecting the premise of the question uh, and not... Uh, basically subjecting myself to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll change the premise so that um, it's me and one other person are in the time loop. So what I would do is I would go back to to Italy uh, with Cyan when we Mm -hmm. took our like post honeymoon Mm -hmm. trip and we just like be in like Florence or Venice for a day and the goal is that we only get out once we hit all the museums oh i <laughs> this love is a that. fun time you're sort Fuck of the doing... premise of this question i'm gonna have fun we 100 percent completion this shit yeah you're sort of doing the ending of futurama where fry and leela are in a world frozen and like get to just go and do all of the cool things that they've ever wanted yeah. to like that, that's a good way to use a groundhog day if you're stuck in one yeah gonna hit the museums i'm gonna just like uh Make a bunch of uh, make a bunch of video scripts on a flash drive that I can take with me, and then eventually I'll just come back and be like, look at all these scripts, look look at all the stuff I got. <laughs> Are you amazing. implying that the flash drive doesn't reset at the end of the time loop when That's you wake true. up in the morning? I put it in my pocket, so it's part of like the the unit of me that. I don't Fuck think the that's of the question. Yeah. I can take the flash drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, that's. I feel like the only thing that you can guarantee that you take through into the next loop is your own knowledge of what's going on. Uh, mm. At least in the traditional Groundhog Day setup. Um, I watched a rather harrowing episode of Star Trek where the protagonists figure out that they're stuck in a time loop because the Enterprise mm. keeps exploding at the end of every day, uh, oh, and they're they're slowly like deja vuing their way through. Anyway, good episode, but it was kind of harrowing as they're like. How many times have we done this? How long have we been stuck in the loop? Oh, no. Uh, So if we're assuming that the only thing you can take through is your own knowledge, really the only kind of, like, progress you can make in a time loop is learning new things. Which is also fine. Right. But it's like, okay, so my couch day where I'm just steadily making my way through, like, a TV show or, like, I spend one day and I just get every book out of a library I can find and I just start, like, reading through it and stuff like that. Like, that's practically speaking the only thing you can get out of a time loop scenario. Uh, So... I think my couch day plan works great, to be completely honest. But uh, Fine, I think the that... flash drive. I'll just learn everything about Florence. <laughs> yeah, you just memorize them. You know, you enter your mind yeah. palace. <laughs> well, this next question comes from Tango Rex Two Red. I just started reading Aurora, and I was wondering if any of the work on your trope talks helped with the plotting of the story. If so, which ones helped the most, and why? And uh, as an aside, Kendall is awesome. I love the fluffy dork so much. Fluffy <laughs> dork so much. Excuse me. Uh, you yeah, just you wrapped up arc right. one of Aurora. Super super I did. cool. Talk, yeah, neat stuff. Answer yeah, the question, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so, <laughs> and okay, I've now yeah. read through half of it as of yesterday. Ah, oh, sweet, fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I mean, th- it's more like the trope talks and the comic kind of come from the same place in my head, uh, where I the the crucible where I melt down everything I've ever watched and read and try to figure out how they worked. Uh, so I can forge something new from whatever my brain does with it. Uh, there's a metaphor here. It's doing something, <laughs> it's largely without my consent at this point. But um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I think the one where there was the like the closest parallel running between them, uh, and I don't want to get too specific because it sounds like this person just started reading it. This question, and someone else on this call ago. also just 
Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I still don't want to spoil too much of it because Blue just started getting through like half of it. Anyway, it was the trope talk on character development comas uh, where I was simultaneously writing the script and working out how I was going to be doing this in the story like at the same time. So as I was writing through like this version does this and has these benefits. So like, but also this is kind of a shortcut to, to characterization. And sometimes you need to do other things after the fact to shore up the characterization so that it's not just like, I went to sleep and all my problems got solved, like stuff like that. Um, and it was funny because at the time that the video came out, like the thing that I had been writing alongside of it had already, you know, been posted partially. But a lot of people in the comments were like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> this smells familiar. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that one was probably the one where it was most directly applicable to what I was currently working on at the time of the the scripting and at least like the, the line art and coloring process. But um, yeah, for the most part, uh, I never really write a trope talk setting out to unravel something that'll be useful for Aurora. It's mostly like uh, my writer brain and my unpacking other people's writing brain. Yeah. It's one brain. <laughs> the Venn diagram is a circle. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's about yeah, it. That's <laughs> Excellent. Well, this next question comes from insert cool name here to Blue and others if they want to chime in. If you could sit down and talk to any one of the history makers you've mentioned in your videos without a language barrier, which one would you choose? Um, probably... Uh, yeah, History Maker specifically is a good way to narrow it down. Mm -hmm. um, I would either talk to Machiavelli and ask him to just tell yeah. me about republics and just like watch the fireworks go off, um, or I would talk to Plato and see how long I can go without strangling him. Plato's less <laughs> of a shit than Socrates was. Aristotle. But, um, he would still... Mm. Uh, Aristotle, I would just like slap as soon as I yeah. sat down at the table. Like, that's for the that's teeth fight thing, you yeah. dumbass. You didn't even check. <laughs> Tell me you've never looked at a woman with never, without telling me you've never looked at a woman. <laughs> anyway. I feel like it'd be fun to sit down with uh, Anna Komdana, even though I could never pronounce her oh, name yeah. perfectly mm -hmm. when I was yeah. doing that video, just because we love a girl boss, you know? Yeah. Great. Sappho's free. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we love a, a girl really... boss. There are a lot of really good uh, people on that list uh, to talk mm -hmm. to, just because I have my uh, my my Florence and, and Athens bias. Um, they're like Anna Comini would be amazing. Sappho would be super fun to talk to. It's like tell me any of your poems. It's really just any you putting together them. your like dream dinner party rotation is what's yeah. happening. Like this yeah. is the my, my ideal brain just... holiday group. Basically, all the history Sweet makers mother. in a room. <laughs> Sweet mother, I cannot weave. Slender Aphrodite has stricken me with love for a girl boss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, this next question comes from Lord Von Brie. To all, now that the year is coming to a close and Magenta has been pitching all those tasty indie TTRPGs roughly half a year back at you, did you try yeah. any of them? And if not, are you planning to? So try any new TTRPGs this year? I have not yet had the chance to, in large part because <laughs> most of our TTRPG time has been taken up by doing rolling with difficulty and uh, ancillary mm -hmm. rolling with difficulty things. Yeah. <laughs> Group dynamics have not been conducive to, to trying those ones out, but I really want to play... Um, uh, what Bleak was Spirits? the Dark souls you one? Yeah, Bleak, Bleak Spirits. Spirits. I yeah. really want to try that yeah. one a lot. Yeah, um, we actually got sent the um, uh, source stuff for Lovecraft-esque, which Bleak Spirits ooh. is a hack of. So if we wanted yeah. to try that out, we can. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I think the short answer is none of us have played as many TTRPGs as we would like to, but certainly we intend to in the New Year. So this is more mm -hmm. of a Magenta can a... fight me about that whenever she wants, but... <laughs> New Year's resolution, play more games with friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would like to game more... <laughs> 
in the new in 2024 <laughs> yeah um but speaking of the year behind us this next question comes from a carpenter to all since the year is coming to a close what's the coolest or your favorite thing that you did this year Ooh, it's got to be one of the traveling things because this year was mm. bananas for travel i actually uh yeah. at present i'm wearing all of the bracelets i got from my various travels <laughs> that nice. became my thing which is why my left arm is significantly heavier than my right today um but, you can uh, take them off in a dramatic moment of the fight scene and then start punching faster. Yeah, I drop it and it just leaves a crater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these training weights were holding me back. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, for me, when we got to see just a little bit of Aurora Borealis in Iceland, that was probably like top 10 cool. for me. Most of like, us that's only been a... saw a little bit of the Aurora Borealis in Iceland. <laughs> yes, well, some of us still need to go back and try again and get the full spectacular Some of us had aurora. a perfect view from their plane on the ride in. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder who that could be. But um mm. but no that was uh that was pretty top tier stuff. That um was pretty great. and uh overall just the amount of like uh just bouncing around we were doing especially in the first half of the year uh because we went down to New Zealand and um we didn't do anything like wedding. groundbreaking but um I got to I got to do some pretty cool tourism stuff before the rest of the gang rocked up. Um yeah. and I think on the same level as getting to see the Aurora Borealis in Iceland was um getting to see the Waitomo glowworm caves. Yeah. Uh which was extremely cool. Um and the specific like way in which that that day played out for me, it was sort of a twofer uh, because I, I asked Tim before we rocked up for his wedding, like, hey, what tourism should I do in Auckland? And he was like, I don't know, I've been like once. And I was like, come on, man. So he's like, okay, North well. North Island. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, okay, well, they, they've got the Hobbiton set tour and they've got the Waitomo Glowworm Caves and those are the two things you should check out. And I was like, great. And I looked into it and there was basically a bus route that just took you to both of those places over the course of the day. Yeah. Um, and that was my, like, one thing. So we went to... Uh, I think we did Hobbiton first and then the Glowworm Caves, but I don't specifically remember the order of operations. Um, but the Hobbiton set tour was very fun, extremely kitschy, and also, I think, kind of purposefully a little bit like, it's a movie set. It's not a theme park. It's not yeah. Disney. You go there and you, like, they're, they're like, look at the forced perspective to make it look better on camera. Now that you've gotten your Lord of the Rings fix, how about you go and tour the rest of New Zealand? You <laughs> a bunch of fucking yanks. I don't know. It could be fun. Uh, but, like, it's, it's honestly kind of brilliant because the tour bus in, they have, like, this, this Peter Jackson, like, welcome, you know, movie set clips from the movies, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you're leaving, they play you a bunch of montages of people leaving the Shire and then seeing the other spectacular vistas that were filmed in New Zealand, which is a genius way of being like, all right, yeah. now that you've scratched that itch and, and eaten at the uh, the little like bakery that we have at the halfway point, um, go and actually put some money into the economy where it's supposed to go, which I thought was pretty fun. Um, yeah. And then the flip side, the Waitomo Glowworm Caves, it's a completely natural environment. It is still being like curated and like tour guided by the descendants of the guys that founded in the first place in the 1800s they take extreme care with it to like like they monitor everything in there like the humidity the co2 levels stuff like that because it's a very delicate environment and you are not allowed to take photos beyond a certain point because glowworms are agitated by light so like the final part of the the trip through the caves they basically take you through this little like switchback little river mouth thing that is completely dark because of the way the light bounces and it is just the the ceiling is carpeted in these little glowing points of blue light and you've seen a few of them through the caves on the way down but they mostly don't hang out anywhere where there's enough light to see because the way they hunt is they look like a way out of the darkness yeah. um 
And you're just looking at that and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm not allowed to take out my phone and take any pictures because the, the light from my screen, this is pitch black. Like you'd be able to tell. Um, and going from the most artificial, like curated tourism to this actual natural wonder that feels like something that belongs in a fantasy world was a very impactful moment, I think, that I, I thought was very yeah. cool. So if you get a chance, I would recommend it. <laughs> I'm probably not going back anytime soon because, oh boy, that trip was a hefty boy. But, um, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot, but it was so, so worth it. Yeah, no, it was mm. really nice to be able to do that. Um, travel was was uh, a lot this year. I did a lot, arguably too much. Mm. Um, you did like twice as like, much as me. <laughs> yeah, well... Since I'm here, a dangerous mm -hmm. impulse. Yeah, you, you um, just sunk cost fallacy your way around the world at one point. Yeah, I had to go to Greece for, for some, some family timing stuff, but I was able to make kind of like a bigger trip out of it and see parts of Greece that I'd never seen before, which is really, really cool. Um, got to see like Mycenae and Nafplio and, and, and other places. Got to go to an island, uh, like not one of the two islands I I'd, I'd spent like five minutes on each, um, but like, like an island with like famous stuff on it. It's like, cool, great. Um, <laughs> But uh, that was really neat. Um, Iceland was a blast. Being able to do that with the whole gang was really, really rewarding and fun. Yeah. Um, going to uh, Thorsmork National Park um, with the people from uh, Midgard Adventure who yeah. uh, organized the trip and uh, where we stayed, uh, where it's like this guy's like family owned it way back when, before mm -hmm. they like sold it to the National Park Service or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that was really cool, and going around in the Jeep and all that stuff. Um, but then yeah, also yeah. going to New Zealand, going then the rest of the way across uh, to uh, Britain uh, to go see some family friends in Wales and going down with my dad to Malta. He had to leave early. He got a little sick, uh, but I was able to stay through the rest of the trip and then coming back mm -hmm. and circumnavigating the world. Not Super something cash. I think I'm ever going to do again, um, but it was pretty damn cool to have done it this time. And man, uh, like every place was so cool, but Malta was a real treat. That was a that was a surprise that I yeah. deeply enjoyed um, mm -hmm. going to. And then again, all these travel things turned into fun videos that I was really proud of uh, <laughs> over this year. Um, mm -hmm. Except New Zealand, that's that's coming 2024. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like yeah. the travel, uh, the only travel I really did outside of the country or outside of like you know a weekend trip somewhere was uh, Iceland, which was extremely cool for me because. Other than to visit family uh, or to study abroad, I've never left the country like on a trip for fun with mm. no other intent purpose behind it. And so like that was its own kind of rewarding experience. But I think my favorite thing I did this year was like really dove into the convention scene and in particular yeah. got to kind of very last minute talk on uh, uh, the NPC lab with Join the Party at uh, PAX Unplugged. And like that was really cool, really rewarding to just sort of get to like kind of be in my field for a bit and get to meet yeah. some people in, in person. Uh, and just really a fantastic experience. You know, not every convention is the same, but it was still really rewarding to kind of get to to see what the scene is like because i did not grow up going to conventions at all like this is all very new for me i have only ever approached it as a person working in industries adjacent to them so like yeah. this is uh, this is all new territory for me it's exciting to see uh where it might go ziggy just got fed yeah. by the automatic feeder and then came into the room screaming so it was a really good panel i should say it was very very funny yeah i'm sorry i missed oh, it but you. it was it's great for me too to see everybody start coming into the convention circuit because yeah. uh i i did grow up going through it and um while this does mean that for me a lot of the time it's like all right i've done my time at the con i'm gonna go back to the hotel and hang out and eat room service for a while um but like it's very cool to see other people experiencing it for the first time and get to sort of have that like fresh eyes experience yeah yeah it's neat um, well, this next question comes from Biakuz 
I just re-listened to the full OzPod catalog, and I'm loving all of the bits just as much, if not more, now that I can see their evolution. What is your favorite bit? Hmm. Red's drink order is Red's is drink order is pretty the good. big one now. My drink um, order is pretty fun, especially because it's been encouraging me to mix it up. Uh, because yeah. I don't want to just be like it's another copycat frap. Because now I'm like, well, maybe we can be a little more creative with it. I don't know. Um. <laughs> yeah, I would. I gotta give an honorable mention to probably our longest running bit. Uh, Red not knowing what the outro for this podcast is, despite it going for nearly two years. I know the general gist, but sometimes there's special information that I need to add in that nobody warns me about. <laughs> I feel like she gets it pretty well each time. She's, she's kind of got the main bit down. It, one of the what is she that... missing? What is Red missing from the outro? <laughs> the consistent structure of the script that was originally written in the same way that it opened. It's it's not an important thing. It's funnier that it's not consistent. <laughs> like, there is a script somewhere at some point somewhere. that got sent. <laughs> ah, well. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you turn me loose for an hour of unscripted, uh, you know content and then it's like hey by the way i need you to snap your brain into script reading mode and figure <laughs> out how we're gonna wrap this baby up come on man oh man yeah i can do the intro because that's like a sentence and a half <laughs> and even then it's, i don't always get it consistent <laughs> it's the planting and then we pay it off you know how it i'm is. not saying um, that the original outro was also just a sentence and a half but it it also was a sentence and a half it's the well same there's word. always the more shit length. then it's like oh thank you all so much for listening we'll be back another two weeks with another exciting episode of the overly sarcastic podcast and then it's like oh also we have the ass now you should come to pa- patreon and listen to the ass because we're gonna hang out for another 30 minutes and maybe we have like announcements that we did at the midpoint that we need to reiterate at the end uh and until next time like i know the shape of it but come on (laughs) it's our recurring segment um this next question comes from seven cat which to blue once upon a previous ozpod episode you described yourself in red as analogous to merry and pippin from lord of the rings (laughs) so which one of you is who like who's who of those two and uh who do indigo and cyan scan to in the fellowship Oh no! I don't so, know these characters well enough to, okay. to make those those those. <laughs> we'll open this one up to the floor. I feel like. well. <laughs> they start off as kind of just those two guys. Um, mm-hmm. In the book, they are a little bit more uh, put together. Pippin is the younger one and generally considered a bit of a dumb fuck. Um, but <laughs> they also go through this like growth over the course of the story. Um, Mary is, like, only serious by comparison to Pippin, uh, mm-hmm. but over the course of the story, they both sort of enlist in completely different, like, forces of good, you know, armies and stuff, and Pippin goes through it in Gondor, whereas Mary yeah. is dealing with the Riders of Rohan the whole time, uh... And they kind of come back. They've also had some Ent drafts, so now they're both tall and, like, buff by Hobbit standards. And they come back for the scouring of the Shire. Also didn't make it into the movies. Uh, and basically they, they go on to just be, like, cool badasses who are best friends with High King Aragorn for the rest of their lives, pretty much. Uh, but in the context of the movies, they are those two idiots. Uh, so... I guess which of us is slightly which of us would knock over an entire dwarf skeleton in full plate and trigger a goblin ambush where we exploring the mines of Moria together. And I unfortunately already think I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there you have it folks. Uh, right. as for the rest of the fellowship, not a fucking clue. I feel like Cyan <laughs> would uh, would slot neatly into the uh, 
the Legolas. Um, I was going to say. Because yeah. she, she lives yeah. for the ranger class. Mm-hmm. But, She's got that elven archer uh, vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. And that sort of like, I don't tend to participate in what's going on, but when I do, I'm better at it than all of you. It's big <laughs> Legolas energy. <laughs> I'm very tired. I don't really know who in the fellowship that would be. That's uh, like Aragorn or Boromir. Um, Just a <laughs> token sensible guy needs a nap. <laughs> Just so, so tired all or the time. Or Frodo. Could also be Frodo. That's kind of his whole thing after a certain point. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. You know. I'm very tired and I would like someone to carry me home, please. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, okay, cool. We, we got, got it. it. We got it. With three, uh, so three hobbits and Legolas. Three hobbits and Legolas. Possibly the funniest combination. <laughs> True chaos. It's mm-hmm. the, the, one of them, the saddest hobbit in the world, and then two <laughs> goobers, and like this guy who barely even exists on the same plane of existence as everybody else. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Excellent. Well, this question comes from uh, Mr. Nixon, the Tolkien Strait. To all, I have my first international week long vacation <laughs> coming up next year. How do y'all make sure to pack light? What are your essentials, and what do you never bring? Um, I wanted to say this question because, Red, you are the master of packing light. Truly, I've never one seen someone sustain themselves out of one backpack so successfully uh, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> I've only ever had to bring more than one bag, like, once, and that was because I was bringing Renfair boots, and those mm. don't compress. Um, no. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, um, the one backpack strat. One week is kind of the upper limit for how long you can manage the one backpack strat. Um, and a lot of it is built on the fact that, like, jeans you can rewear several times before it becomes a problem like if you don't get them muddy yeah. they're basically going to be fine they're so fine. like two or three yeah. pairs of jeans will do you and if you're wearing one of them that's already space out of the backpack um shirts especially light ones can compress very very small um socks and underwear same deal so you basically have your clothing requirements set up pretty quickly um depending on uh your various like toiletries needs that can go that, that's usually probably the single thing that takes up the most space in my backpack, yeah. just like a, a little, like, zippered tiny suitcase, basically, of toiletries and stuff like that. Um, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot else that, you know, really needs packing aside from, like, electronics, chargers for things, um, stuff like that. If you're doing, like, a full camping trip, there's only so small your equipment needs can really be. Yeah. But if it's just international travel where you're going to be, like, staying in a hotel... Um, as long as you're, like, wearing the shoes that you're going to bring, there's very little else that you really need to, you know, take up space in the backpack with. Um, yeah. In terms of things that, like, I I never bring, I think, like, second pair of shoes, that's something that I could pack, but I just don't because it would yeah. take up a tremendous amount of backpack space. It would be heavy comparatively to everything else. Um, I know a lot of people will do, like, the neck pillow thing. Um, it's not something I really worry about. Uh I'll usually try to basically wear whatever cold weather gear I need to bring uh, because it also gets... really the strat because Mm -hmm. you could just wear all the heavy stuff to Iceland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was a bit of of a gamble because we left in the winter. It was like, I'm going to be wearing this anyway, so it's fine. Uh, Because, again, like anything that you will need to wear every day that you're not wearing the day you leave kind of becomes dead space. Uh, So... In general, like, minimal extras, which is something that I think you can kind of get away with if, in an emergency, you could, like, buy a second one if you need to. Because uh, it's often a bit of a gamble. It's not always, oh, good, two cats in frame. This is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, We got the top of one and the bottom of the other. 
Perfect. All right, even, stack them together. Balanced. <laughs> Just arrange the videos. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people pack very heavy, um, but also it's like, oh, if you're going to a thing where you're likely to have like one fancy dinner where you need to dress up nicer, that's not a consideration I generally need to worry about. Uh, and honestly, this is probably the fanciest shirt I own, so it's not really a thing I do <laughs> yes. anyway. The uh, um, the log line for this episode, the uh, the to-do list, it's say dress fancy. <laughs> <laughs> possible yeah and we're all um, our versions of fancy and that's just fine I'm, this is twice as many bracelets as i normally have and i'm wearing my nicest ace ring i didn't say it was a bad thing i said we're all our version of fancy and that's just fine <laughs> yeah see um anyway uh yeah i mean there's probably other stuff i could think of to add but like the specifics of like what not to pack isn't something i generally think about um there's kind of like a bare minimum of, you know, stuff you need. But also a lot of hotels these days will, like, provide you with things like shampoo and, and conditioner and various yeah. other things. So a lot of the things that take up the most space, you just kind of don't need to bring your own if you need to. Um, but, again, that depends on where you're going and for how long and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, you can usually pull off the one backpack strat, uh, in my experience. And, and it's yeah. very convenient because then you never need to worry about checked luggage or anything like that. Yeah, the only thing I run into with, again, very rarely have I traveled internationally, but it is nice if it, if you are the kind of person who, like me, doesn't travel very often, might want to pick up a souvenir or something while you're traveling. Yeah. That is the only instance in where a checked bag for me is like, gotta do this, because what if I want to buy like a nice bottle of wine or something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The last week that we were in China for study abroad, everyone was ordering uh, the cheapest extra suitcase they could find off of like Alibaba. <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah. like we need to get luggage now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, pack what you think you'll need. If you don't think you're gonna have a fancy outfit, you don't need to bring a fancy outfit. But if you think you want to dress up a little nice, then account for that in your storage space. Is kind yeah. of the advice. Yeah. You know, know Ooh, yourself I, and how you like to be on vacation. One useful thing that I started bringing along just in case, because I had one day where I was like out in the rain, and it didn't bother me. But then after the fact, I was like oh, these clothes are much less re-wearable now because mm. they're like, they were damp and damp. they haven't been washed. And weirdly, that has an impact. Uh, so I got these little packets of basically just like clothing detergent for washing stuff in sinks. Mm. Uh, and I've used them only twice, but it's very useful to have. Like if you get caught in a storm or you get splashed by a car and you were like, I, I don't want to like figure out a local laundromat and find out a place I can get quarters or whatever. I just want this clean. You can, you know, wash something in a hotel sink, hang it up to dry, and you'll be fine. Caught um, out in an Icelandic um, rainstorm maybe once or twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, or you happen to fall in the general area of, like, a cliff or something. It's just there's a lot of things that can happen when you're traveling, so. <laughs> Always be prepared. Uh, well, mm-hmm. th- we got time, I think, for one last question here before we wrap up. So this one comes from Zarvius. To all, if you were added to a video game as an NPC, what game would it be and what purpose would you serve? Are you a boss, quest giver, shopkeeper, random voice line, etc.? So put hmm. yourself into a game as an NPC and tell me what you're doing. Because we've had like a version of this where it's like, what, what kind of boss are we in a game and what loot do we drop? That was a very fun question with some great fan art that came out of it too. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. Um, Yes. Mm. But if we can if we can be anything like anything. quest givers, you just can't be a player merchants. character. Yeah. So I guess that means we also couldn't be like added to the party in like a JRPG style kind of thing. So exactly. I think quest giver or boss fight are the two mm. winning options for this one. Yeah. 
Because Quest Giver can be fun because those guys can turn up at unexpected moments to help out or whatever. Uh, or secretly betray the players, you know, 50-50. Yeah. Well, um, since we've already done boss fights, mm-hmm. let's let's think about as as quest givers what we would what we would be and what kind of game we would slot into. Hmm. Everyone can also have different answers. So if you're not feeling quest giver at all, you're welcome to be any other Ooh, kind stop of NPC. Tape. Oh, Cleo. <laughs> Ziggy's abandoned me for clothes pile on the floor. Not to out myself as having just done my laundry and not putting it away, but <laughs> oh, clean clothes pile, even better. Yeah. Oh um, man. Hmm. I think that I would do like, like JRPG adventure style quest giver person, like mm-hmm. a little like eight bit. Like I've been watching a lot of the um, New Frame Plus animations of Final Fantasy yeah. videos recently. Yeah, mm-hmm. My only real exposure to Final Fantasy, besides that one time I watched Advent Children and understood none of it, um, so it's cool, kind of just seeing like the oldest, chunkiest graphics of like yeah. the, the the little eight bit sprite ones. Uh, I simply think that could be cute and fun, um, and I think I would want to just be like a, a, a friendly and helpful ally who maybe turns up at like an unexpected third act twist to help out in a boss fight, not like secretly I have been conniving and will slay you yeah. all kind of thing, because that's a little bit of like a unfun. I don't know. Usually, oh, it's a twist betrayer, and then we're just going to kill him and move on. It's like no, no, yeah. no. If I'm a quest giver and I, for instance, die heroically saving all of you, you'll remember me. <laughs> I would like to be one of those NPCs that has, like, you know, their shop or whatever, but they're the ones who it's like, ah, yes, I see you found a a something-something feather. Come back when you have 6,000 of these, where it's, like, whatever the 100%, like, completion percentage, Uh like, collectible item is. I give you, like, the cool, like, the the, the new, like, sword or, like, some, like, palette swap outfit or something, like... I'm the guy who gives you, like, the, the, okay, you completed the whole game, you turned in all the, the, the items, all the feathers or whatever, here's your new cape or whatever the hell it is. I'd like to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I'd want to be in sort of a similar vein, because there's a lot of, in Skyrim in particular, like, characters that are just there to flesh out the membership of a given guild. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in the Thieves Guild, but I don't, I'm not relevant to any quests, and I won't leave the base. Like, I'm just going to be sitting there in that, that cistern, hanging out, drinking an ale the whole game. Like, I think I just want to be, like, flavor, you know? I want to be background uh. flavor to a game. <laughs> nice, I like it. Card-carrying member of the Thieves Guild, but you don't have to interact with the character at all, and I just have the same five voice lines for the entire game. Yeah. And since it's Bethesda, they'll make you do the line takes in alphabetical order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah. there is Basically, a non-zero the only chance is... that I could be voiced by Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Basically, the only question is whether or not the chair you're sitting in has rendered in or not, or if you're just doing the pose. Mm-hmm. But I got the cool uh, armor sets that are, like, guild-exclusives. It's yeah. true, yeah, yeah. All the bling, none of the hard work. College it's of Winterhold great. also works for this, except there's a much lower survival rate for their NPCs, so I feel like mm. I'm better off in the Thieves' Guild. True, Doesn't true. the Thieves' Guild get completely murdered in you that You are thinking line? of the Assassin's uh, variant, the, the Black Hand. They, they oh, get, like, that's a different murked. quest. That's the one that Doug Doug always does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun one, but it's a, it's one of the only ones in the game where there is, like, and now all these NPCs are gone. Oh, Dark Brotherhood quest <laughs> Dark Brotherhood, line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. there yep. it is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thieves Guild's fine. Everyone lives, I think, Seems in that one. Seems the assassin <laughs> has become the assassinated. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, Red, I think we're coming up on the aforementioned bit that I like, uh, you doing the outro for this podcast. Oh, shucks. Well, I wouldn't want to disappoint my adoring fans. Thank you all so much for listening or watching to for this extremely well. unstandard, <laughs> except it is standard, we just do it only once a year, 
episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We will be back in two weeks, not in video, only in audio, for another more normal episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. And if you're a patron, go there, because we're about to hang out for another 30 minutes for the ass, as previously mentioned, the After After Show show, which we only started doing this year. That's another, like, uh, landmark that we we didn't just mention at all. But yeah, we're just going to hang out for another 30 minutes, shoot the shit. Uh, I'm going to do something more exciting with my string lights that uh, Indigo's going to hate, but I think it's going to be fun. I did. I did. I've I've exercised commendable self-control because uh, there wasn't a funny bit in which I would have been able to do it. But (laughs) the the remote's been in my hand this entire time. Mm. Um, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) until next time, I've been red. I've been blue. This has been the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I fucked up my hair. Okay, we're good. (laughs)